0: Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. All right, well, open your Bibles this morning to Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, as God would have it, I did not know until about midway through this week that it was what many Christians celebrate Lent. Did anybody know that? Besides, I didn't. <laughs> uh, obviously, we're a, a denomination or non-denominational church that doesn't celebrate it because you would hope the pastor would know. Uh, and uh, you're, some of you might be like, what is Lent? Um, what it just happens to be, it happens to be about fasting. Uh, this week, some guys were getting together at work and talking about getting lunch, and one of the guys says, oh, well, I can't eat meat today. And somebody said, well, like, why not? They didn't know why he couldn't eat meat, and he was from the Catholic Church, and he said, oh, because of church. Whatever that, I was like, okay, let's hear what he says. Let's hear his, he just said, oh, because of church. We don't, we don't do it right now. And uh, I can't really fault him, because I would venture to say, even myself, after studying this week, how many of us know what fasting is for? Uh, Does God command fasting? Uh, Have we been sinning? Have I been sinning all my life, Christian life, since I I don't partake in fasting? Uh, If you stick around for the uh, meeting, you're going to be fasting. No, just kidding. As Jared said, we'll be quick. But what is it? What is fasting? And you might be asking, well, what is Lent? Well, Lent represents the 40 days. It's supposed to be, it started on Ash Wednesday, and some of you may have seen people with ashes on their head this week, or their forehead, uh, symbolizing the beginning of the Lent, Lenten, or Lentil, not sure how you pronounce it, season. And it represents 40 days before the crucifixion, and it's supposed to symbolize Jesus' fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's supposed to be used as a time of reflection and as they become hungry to remember that why they are fasting and praying to God. I I think it's noble, um, but obviously not everyone knows what it's for and it's, you know, what's the purpose? Does it make you right with God? And some people might even say fasting, man, you need to fast because you can get closer to God. Or it's like you're with Lent, they're giving up something. Some people are like, hey, well, during Lent, I'm giving up social media. I know a guy that says, I give up french fries for 40 days. That could be tough for some people, right? But they're like giving up something to God. And is that what fasting is? You're doing something for God to appease God, to make God happy, to make Him like you? I mean, what is it, right? A lot of times we live our Christian life thinking we're doing things that are making God happy. And so I hope this morning as we go through the text and this study that we get a better understanding of what, fasting means and should we fast and if we should how often and when and what should we fast so uh again i hope that uh, you learn from this morning study so as i said we're going to be in matthew chapter 6 and let's read we're just going to read two verses and then we're going to talk about it. so let's read jesus is in the in this section it's the sermon on the mount jesus is a famous and probably greatest sermon and he's explaining, really, what it means to be a follower of his. And in the process, he comes on the topic of fasting. And it's in the context of, hey, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like the other religious people who are doing things for the wrong reason. And he comes upon the topic of fasting. So listen to what Jesus says here. He says, and whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neither excuse me excuse me for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men truly i say to you they have their reward in full but you when you fast anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will repay you So Jesus is explaining what fasting is, and if you were like me as you read that, you're like, hey, well, what about, well, what is fasting then? It doesn't say much about it, and you'll, you'll discover in the Bible there's not much said about how to fast or when to fast. Even here, Jesus says, whenever you fast. So we'll talk about that a little more. So what is fasting, right? There's a lot of fasting diets out there. Is that what it's for, to to make you healthier and to detox your body? What does Scripture say? Well, Scripture really talks about fasting in a number of ways. Uh, One, we see that it's the discipline, just a generic understanding of, of fasting. It's the discipline of abstaining for a time from all or certain foods. So there's many references in Scripture where people fasted for like one meal, a day, three days, seven days, ten days. Jesus, Elijah, and Moses all fasted 40 days. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, if you want to turn there with me, I'm going to look at two references in particular. Go to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses here. Um, Okay, Daniel chapter 2. Here, Daniel and his companions is said to only have eaten vegetables and water, and this is considered a partial fast. If you know about Daniel, remember, they were taken into captivity, and him and his friends were saying, we are not going to eat what everyone else eats. Um, if, If I remember correctly, it's because these things were not things that they could eat; they weren't kosher, or they were sacrificed to idols, of something of that nature. And so Daniel was telling the attendant here in Daniel chapter two, look at verse eight. He says this: "I says then the king answered and said, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time, inasmuch as you have seen." And co- I think that's the wrong verse, isn't it? I love when I do that. Well, I gave you the main point there. <laughs> Daniel was fasting uh, vegetables and water. It's like, we're not going to eat what everybody else eats, and after 10 days, let us appear before the king, and they appear before the king, and they notice that they look better than everybody that ate all the bad foods. And so that's one example of fasting. It's certain foods. And later again in Daniel chapter 10, let's hope I have the right verse this time. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Here Daniel is abstaining for certain foods for a few weeks It says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message revealed in Daniel who was named revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision and in those days I Daniel had been mourning for three entire weeks and going on to verse three it says and I did not eat any tasty food nor did meat or wine enter my mouth nor did i use any anointment at all until the three weeks were completed so here you see daniel mourning and fasting for three weeks some translations say he didn't use any perfume uh, so maybe he didn't use anything to make himself smell very well maybe he didn't shower whatever it is he was fasting not only foods but other things And as I mentioned, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses fasted all food and drink for forty days. The Queen Esther also called a fast uh, in Esther chapter four, verses uh, verse sixteen, where she called a fast and asked people to pray and fast for her because she was going to stand before the king, and she told them to fast all food and water. So these are examples of fasting. Some even believe that there, you can even fast activities, certain activities. As I mentioned with Lent, well, people will say, well, I'm not going to be on social media. Uh, that's going to be the thing I give up for 40 days and 40 nights. The only reference that I found to anything remotely, not to social media, but to anything remotely to fasting outside is food, is when Paul instructs a married couple to not fast being together sexually unless they get tempted. He says, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to withhold yourselves from one another, then let it be that you come together and pray, but don't do it so long that you stumble one another. And that's in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. So it looks like they fasted sexual relations for a short time, but they would come together and pray. So those are some examples of fasting in Scripture. And now going back to our text with Jesus here, In Matthew chapter 6. So that's what fasting is, the the just basic definition of giving up certain food for a certain amount of time. And like I said here in Corinthians, it could be something else. But Jesus has this expectation that believers are going to fast, right? He says in verse 16, whenever you fast. So he understands that believers are going to fast. He even says at another time in Matthew 9, 9, verses 13 through 14, when people are asking him, how come your disciples are not fasting right now? They're not observing the religious fast like everyone else. Uh, This was the disciples of John who said that. They came to him and said, in verse 13, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus here alludes to an expectation that when he is gone, his disciples will fast, and he, and he pits it with mourning, a symbol of mourning. So again, I think we are on good ground to say that it is expected or believers can fast it's interesting to note that there's no time prescribed time there's no place or method in scripture on how it is to be done in fact the only the only time in the mosaic law that it is prescribed is on the day of atonement and you can find that in leviticus chapter 16 verses 29 through 30 and this is what it says says This shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month and on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work. Now, humble your souls there is meaning fasting. It's a a Hebrew idiom for fasting. He says, You shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. This and maybe one other instance in, I think it's in Zephaniah, where God assigns a fast, and it's specifically to the nation of Israel at this day of atonement. No other days are prescribed. So when we get to the New Testament and we see the Pharisees always fasting and talking about fasting twice a week, that's a perversion of the Mosaic law. And all that to say is that there is no prescribed time place or method to fasting which leads to the problems that we have in the church they have understanding well what is fasting we can say as i pointed out that jesus alludes to a time of fasting by his believers when he is gone which would be the era that we live in now the age that we live in now so fasting again is abstaining for a time from all or certain foods and from all of the scriptures that I've read and, and in my studies this week, uh, one of the things that you could say about fasting is what is fasting is this. In scripture, fasting accompanies prayer for the purpose of intensive intercession, mourning, repentance, worship, or seeking guidance. Let me read that again. In scripture, fasting accompanies prayer for the purpose of intensive intercession mourning, repentance, worship, or seeking guidance. So let's look at that in detail as we go through a few verses. And you will notice if you do your own study on fasting, that every time fasting is mentioned, it's accompanied with prayer of some sort. So why would a Christian fast? Going with that definition I gave earlier, let's answer this question. Why would we fast? Right, Well, we fast for this reason, and I'll give you a number of them. Number one, it's it's to have a time where we are focused intently on the Lord. To have a time where we are focused intently on the Lord. It's a time when we come to this realization as you're fasting and those hunger pains start to hit you, it's a time when you come to realize that you know what you need the Lord, that you are not self-sustaining, that you need something outside of yourself to sustain you, and hunger reminds you of that. It's also a time when you when you come to realize the severity of a situation, and we'll see that in a few moments. Again, when people are praying or they're praying for a reason, excuse me, when they are fasting, they're usually in prayer for something. They have this realization that this situation is severe and it takes and it needs my entire concentration and focus. So the time we would normally be eating is now focused on crying out to the Lord. Pastor John Piper calls it, and I like this. He says, fasting is an intensifier. I like that. It intensifies our our prayers to the Lord, right? You never cry out more to the Lord in your life than when you are suffering from something, right? Don't your prayers when you're going through a hard time seem a little more focused, a little more deep, a little more maybe verbal? You cry out more, you say more to the Lord than just a a quick prayer. And so, According to John Piper, he says fasting is that intensification of that. You realize the severity of the situation, and so you add fasting. Another pastor who was speaking on fasting as I was studying this week, his name is Tony Evans. He says this about fasting. He says we are giving up the physical to gain the spiritual. You have this momentary suffering so that you can focus on spiritual things, specifically on God, and that's what he means by focusing on the spiritual. Never are we more focused on a situation than when we are in need, right? As I mentioned earlier, when you're suffering or when, you're, when you're, you need something, your mind is totally focused on it. You're consumed with that thought all the time, and so if fasting helps us and gives us that sense of dependence and suffering. It intensifies the situation that we're in. And so I'm going to give you uh, four or five examples of that from Scripture on why we, or why would a Christian fast, again, is to have that focused time with the Lord to intensify our time. The second one is to, to intensify our intercession of others. So here's one example where somebody was interceding for another person, but they also added fasting to it. And that would be King David. King David fasted and prayed as he pleaded to God for his son who was dying. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16, it says this, David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Again, fasting here is intensifying his sense of need for God. He's foregoing the physical to focus on the spiritual. Now, you don't need to do that, right? You don't need to do that to pray to God. But again, it intensifies your sense of dependence on God. Again, just think of that. If your child was lying on their deathbed, how focused would our prayer be on God to hear us, to raise my child off. off the bed and so it's like you know I'm not eating I'm just focusing on God right now that's just one example and again that intensifies the need for prayer intensifies our intercession for others it's not just a flippant prayer Lord please bless my child you know sometimes we as Christians can get a little flippant in our prayers and just do a quick prayer and again when you when you're Fasting, you're real. You know, you're being a little more focused. You're doing something a little more deliberately, and that goes with every example I'm going to give. The third one, why we would fast, is to intensify our mourning, mourning in our sadness, our grief. A great example of that is Nehemiah in chapter one, verses three through four. Remember, Nehemiah, upon hearing that the walls of his city and the, were destroyed, this is what it says, Then they said to me, The remnant there in the province, which is Jerusalem, who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So his, the city of God is burnt down, the walls are burning the people there are in great distress. And what does he do? He says, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Again, fasting gave him that sense of intensifying his mourning. He wanted to just focus on his prayers to God and cry out to God and nothing else. And so fasting intensified that. In Second Samuel chapter one, verses eleven through twelve, we have another example of mourning from King David. Again, King David took hold of his clothes, it says, and he tore them, and so also did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening, for Saul and his sons Jonathan and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. So his king and his best friend Jonathan had fallen by the sword, and so they mourned for them, and they mourned with fasting. They get to focus their prayers on God to intensify the mourning. So why would a Christian fast? We have to intensify our intercession of others, to intensify our mourning. Thirdly, to intensify our Repentance. In the prophet Joel, chapter 2, he says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. So that's repentance. It's not a just, oh Lord, forgive me. Right? He's, You're coming back to the Lord, admitting that you've fallen with all your heart. He says, and he goes on to say, So return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting in evil. So it's this intensification of repentance that Joel is talking about. Don't just make a public show of it by ripping, you know, tearing your shirt. He wants them to return with their entire heart, all their being. And that is what the fasting is symbolizing there. As I mentioned, sometimes we can be flippant about our repentance, right, if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes it's like, oops, sorry, God, I didn't mean to do that. Or, oh, my bad, God, I didn't mean to do that. Those are kind of flippant repentance. In contrast to here, Joel, where they're, they're ripping their clothes, they're weeping, they're mourning, they're fasting. They, gotta, they have a sense that I really sinned against God. It's more than just a, a flippant, "Oh sorry, my bad God," that I, I didn't mean to do that. I just slipped up. They realize that they've sinned against a holy God. I think one of the best examples of this can be found in the book of Jonah, when the Ninevites repent, and when their king calls them to repentance, and that can be found in Jonah chapter five, uh, three verses five through 9. And I want to read that to you, that entire section. Again, because it's a great example of fasting as a part of repentance. It says this, then the people of Nineveh, so this is after Jonah has been spit up on shore and says that God's going to judge you. He doesn't even tell them to repent. He says, God is going to judge you and, and destroy this place in three days, right? Or not in three days. He just says, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the extent of his evangelism. And look at what Scripture says here in verse 5. It says, then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them, And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, And let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from their wicked way and from the violence which is in their hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger, so that we shall not perish. You get that sense of repentance? He says, we're going to repent. Not only are we repenting and we're fasting, our animals are not even going to eat. Don't feed the dog. Don't feed the cattle. Whatever it is, everybody is going to repent. It's that great sense of we have sinned against a holy God and we deserve nothing. Again, that's a lot stronger and intense than, my bad God, oh, I'm sorry I sinned again. No, we sinned and we're going to feel the depths of that repentance by uh, fasting and mourning and putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes Again, it's that intensification to realize they need God. Another example of why Christians should fast, or really another reason, is to intensify our worship. Let me give you two examples of that. In Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 37, this is just a small little thing about the birth of Jesus. And you remember, it says there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. Again, this is in the description of the the birth narratives of Jesus. And it says she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings, and prayers. Now, that doesn't mean she fasted all day and fasted all night, every day. No, it's just part of her worship of God in the temple was fasting. And we're not given any more detail of that, but fasting was a part of her worship. She stayed in the temple day and night fasting and praying. And so that's an example of just intensified worship through Fasting. Right? She didn't have a family to care for anymore. Her husband died many years before, and she was dedicating herself to God in service. Even in the book of Acts, we have a number of examples of fasting for worship. And let me give you an example of that in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart. For me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So just another example. of Here they're in the midst of worshiping God. That's what it means when it says they're ministering to the Lord. They were worshiping and fasting. So fasting can be incorporated into the worship of God. And maybe that means, hey, you know, I'm going to fast on Sunday morning. You know, just every time that hunger pain comes, I'm going to remember that, you know, I'm fasting I'm not going to focus on the hunger, but I'm going to focus on, oh, I'm hungry because I'm fasting. I'm worshiping God. That may just be one thing that we could do as believers. You know? And then instead of eating breakfast, we're just going to focus on the Lord, fa- fasting and praying and worshiping until after the vision meeting. So it's just an example And lastly, another way, reason, believers can fast is to intensify our seeking God's direction. Right? In all these, they were praying and fasting, uh, fasting and mourning and praying, fasting and worshiping, praying to the Lord. But you can fast when you're seeking God's direction. Again, to intensify your focus on the Lord. And I'll just give you two examples in Scripture of that. Uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses three through four, we see this from King Jehoshaphat. It says this, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. So they were going to focus their attention on seeking God through the fasting. Not only the king, but he said, everybody, we're all going to focus on seeking God's counsel, seeking God's direction. And one last one. Here in the book of Acts, when the apostles, probably specifically Paul here, was appointing elders in all the different churches, it says in Acts 14, 23, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So part of their appointing elders is that they were praying to God and fasting so that God would guide and direct them. Again, these are just a few verses and a few examples and a few reasons why we should fast. Again, these studies that we've been going through over the Christian life are not exhaustive. And so these are just some of the things that I see in Scripture that would help us in our fasting. Why would a Christian fast? Again, the main reason is to have a time where we are focused intently on the Lord. And we can do that in intercession for others, in mourning, in repentance, in worship, and in seeking God's direction. So I hope that gives you a better understanding of the purpose of fasting Right? It's not, necess- well, it's not like to get right with God, other than when it's for repentance. Right? It's an intensifier. So, so how do we fast, then, with, with this knowledge that we have? How do we fast, is the question. Well, a lot of it has to do with the intent, if you, as you can tell. The first one would be this, fast for the right occasion. As I mentioned, there's no prescribed occasion in Scripture that we need to fast. There's no specific day. Um, as much as people celebrate Lent, that is not from Scripture. You know, you'll find nowhere in the Bible that says to celebrate Lent or something called Lent or fast for 40 days to symbolize the suffering of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to say that whether that's good or bad. I'm just saying you, that's not in Scripture. Uh, if you want to do that, that's fine, but do it... Th- for the right reason. So when we fast, we need to fast for the right occasion. So what is that occasion? Well, really, that's honestly between you and God. Right? Jesus said, whenever you fast. He didn't say what you were to fast for and really how to do it other than saying when you do it and other than other scriptures talking about it being with between you and the Lord. Fasting, is between you and God, right? Jesus himself said, when you fast, don't make it obvious to everybody else, so they can see you. It's about you and God. He says to really do it in secret. You know, wash your face. Don't walk around going, I'm fasting today, so I can't eat such and such. Don't tell anybody about it. It it really is, if that's what you're doing it for, to look pious and religious, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Trying to get back to the text here. Um, the point being on this one is that it's between you and God. If, if you want to fast because you're praying for somebody, for you're interceding for somebody, then do it. If you want to fast because, you know what, I've, I've sinned against God in this area, and I, and I, just, I need to repent, and I want to fast, and just really be serious about my repentance towards God. And you can be serious without without fasting. Fasting isn't a necessity, but I do think we should fast at some point in our life. It doesn't have to be every week, every year. Again, there's no prescription for it. That's between you and God. And so my direction to you would be uh, choose the fast and you choose the duration. Nobody says you have to fast 40 days and 40 nights. I don't think I could do that. I could barely make a meal, to be honest with you. If you ask my wife, I'm, I need to eat. I was built to eat. <laughs> But fast something, I don't know what it is. Uh, You choose the fast and you choose the duration. Again, we saw examples of some people fasting um, for the evening, for the day, three days, seven days, 40 days. That's between you and the Lord. Nobody should judge you for your time that you choose to fast. The only thing I would say is that we should at some point in our life. And, and I would reiterate that when you choose this fast, that you would be faithful to do it. I'm reminded of what King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter five verses one through six. He says this: "Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to sacrifice the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil." And then here's the, the point I want to focus on. Do not be hasty in word or impo- in, impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Drop down to verse four now. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it. For he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Basically saying, don't tell God, hey God, I'm going to do this for you, and then you don't do it. He says, it's better that you just don't say anything to the Lord. How many times have we done it? Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I'm going to do such and such for you. We probably all have done that in some time of our life, even before we believe we're believers. God, if you help me here, I'm going to, Start going to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray more. I'm even going to join a small group if you do this for me. Whatever the case may be, Solomon's saying, don't do that. And I'm saying, whatever you choose between you and the Lord, just be honest and keep it. If you say, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to fast coffee. I mean, maybe that's it for you. And when I have that urge to drink coffee, I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to pray for whatever I decided I was praying for at that time. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to judge you for it. I would just encourage us as believers to practice fasting at some point in our life. So choose the fast, choose the duration, and be faithful to keep your vow to God. Secondly, fast with a sincere heart. Be sincere in your fasting. Don't do it for the wrong reason, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, I'm going to do it to make myself right with God. You know, or I'm going to please God by fasting. Or I'm going to please my spouse. Or I'm going to even, hey, the pastor said I need to fast, so I'm just going to fast. You know, that's that's not being sincere. Remember, this fast is for the Lord. It's not for anybody else. John MacArthur, in talking about this, said this. He says, uh, fasting is, is, a, is, genuine fasting is a part of a concentrated, intense prayer, and concern for the Lord, His will, and His work. That's showing that the fast is for God. Whether you're fasting to hear from the Lord and seek His guidance, that's what you're looking for, His will, His guidance. All these examples that I read through were mostly a response to God, and they were fasting unto the Lord. Again, this is not something that we do to be accepted by God. You're already a believer. Pastor John taught a few weeks ago you're already sanctified in Christ. Fasting doesn't make you more sanctified. But it's something you do, again, with a sincere heart, something you do unto the Lord out of gratitude, out of seeking his will, out of repentance. Again, and this is not a religious exercise in penance, right? It's like, oh, I'm fasting. Again, like I mentioned, I'm giving up fries because, you know, God didn't eat food for 40 days and 40 nights. This is my thing for God. This is how I'm paying back God, right? That's not what fasting is. It's not done to please God, and it's not done to show anybody that you are super spiritual. Because, again, Jesus said, don't do it for anybody. Don't let anybody know you're doing it. That's not what it's for. As a matter of fact, Isaiah the prophet warns the people in speaking for God about fasting, a false fast. And I'm going to turn back there for a moment and read out of Isaiah. As I was looking at this, I was like, did we teach on this part back in Isaiah? I don't remember. Isaiah chapter, it was a long book. And Isaiah chapter 58, look at verse... Eight. Um, I think that's the wrong one. Man, I am really off today. Does anybody know what that is? Observance of fast. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, it's in verse 5, actually. Isaiah 58, verse 5. Uh, he says this, Is this a fast like that which I chose, a day for a man to humbles- humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for the spreading out of sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even acceptable day of the Lord? And he says, this is not a fast which I chose to loosen the bounds of wickedness, to undo the bands of a yoke and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourselves from your own flesh. What he's talking about here is that these people say they're fasting and they're not hearing from God. He's like, yeah, but you're totally living in contrary to my laws. And so you think fasting is going to cover up all your sins? You're not being sincere. He said, this is not a fast that I chose. So we fast with a sincere heart. We're already sanctified and again, we're fasting unto the Lord to focus on the Lord, for whatever duration that is. And thirdly, fast with the right focus. And what I mean by that is, is focus on the reason you are fasting. And I mentioned this a couple of times already. Don't focus on your hunger. When you get those hunger pains or the desire for whatever it is you're fasting, that should remind you that you are fasting unto the Lord. Use that as the reminder. Right? Don't say, "Oh, I'm hungry," but get, "Oh, I'm supposed to be fa- I'm, I'm hungry because I'm fasting unto the Lord. Let your hunger remind you to pray. So whenever you get hungry as you're fasting, pray. That's what it's for. Again, say to yourself, "I'm hungry because I'm fasting." And so those are just three things that I encourage you to focus on as or think about and remember, how do I fast? Again, fast for the right occasion, fast with a sincere heart, and fast with the right focus. And I know some people are, may have concerns, well, you know what, I, for my health reasons, I can't fast. You remember, Daniel, Daniel ate vegetables and water and fasted everything else. You can do a partial fast of some sort. It could be just, again, one meal and, and, you know, skip, you know, fast breakfast and eat lunch or or fast lunch and eat dinner, whatever the case may be. I think, though, we are called to fast at some some point in our life. Let's conclude with going back to the text in Matthew chapter 6 here. It says this. At the very end, I don't want to forget this. At the very end of verse eighteen, he says, "So that y- uh, yes, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your father, who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you." There is a reward of some sort in fasting, right? God never fails to notice. That what is done with the right heart and with the right reason, God sees it. When you go and fast, again, maybe you're praying for something. Who knows that God might not answer that? Who knows what God can do with the believer who fasts, who makes it a regular part of their Christian life? I don't know. I just know what Jesus said here, that God sees you in secret and will repay you. Does that mean he'll answer your prayer? I don't know but we can trust that He's going to repay you somehow, why not test God in that way, whether it's your repenting of your sin that maybe you're struggling with, and God's repayment to you is to help you not to struggle with that anymore, because you're relying on Him. Who knows what the Lord will do? Right? Like the king of Nineveh, he said, who knows God may uh, relent because we've repented. Who knows what God can do in your life, in my life, in the life of our church as we live to live this Christian life in such a way that honors God. And in one way we can do that is with fasting. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and thank you, Lord, for this topic of fasting. I pray, Lord, that you have spoken to hearts this morning, that you may have even encouraged those who have never fasted before or fasted very little, to for the first time fast unto you for whatever reason. I pray that you would uh, convince each and every one of us, Lord God, that this is something we should do and do it in a way that is honoring and acceptable to you and for the right reason. We thank you, Lord God, that there's nothing we can do outside of believing in what your Son has done for us To make ourselves right for you. We don't have to try to be better. Try to be holier. But we just believe on you. And follow after you Lord God. And and live for you. Because of what you've done. And so help us to remember that. As we think about. And pray about fasting. I pray again that you would. Show each and every one of us. In what area in our life. We may choose a fast. And may it be a fast. Not that we have chosen, Lord, but that ultimately you have chosen. And Lord, may what we do in secret be seen by you. And may we experience the joy of your repayment. And so we commit the rest of our time to you and the rest of our worship time. And we worship you, Lord God, and thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N.church. Thanks for listening.